Welcome to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network, presented by Extreme Threads. Your home for the latest news from the National Lacrosse League and Indoor Lacrosse. Now, let's talk some lacrosse with your hosts, Jake Elliott and Evan Schemenauer. Let's go Broncos indeed. Welcome back to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network where we grow the game one podcast at a time. Jake Elliott, Evan Sheminar with you once again here on a Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Big show on deck is uh, we'll get that right off the top here. We got Reese Dutch of the Calgary Roughnecks and Andrew Suter. The champ from the New England Black Wolves coming up on the program. But what you just heard there was from the Sastel Center about a year ago, Evan Sheminar. I believe you were there for that as uh, the anniversary on April 6th. Uh, a year has passed since that tragic bus crash for the Humboldt Broncos. And um, just a, a kind of a nice way to pay tribute and... and Never forget, I guess, remember the Broncos, and uh, I know some TV stations and what have you have been running some features uh, on what has kind of happened and transpired over the last year, the progress that some of the boys have made, and uh, how the city of Humboldt is doing. You're much closer to the situation than I am, Evan, but um, you know, just take me back uh, to a year ago at the Sastel Center when that chant broke out. Yeah. Um, Humboldt's home for me. Um, I grew up in a small town, Lake Lenore, just 25 kilometers away. So, um, young Dana Bronze, the trainer is actually from my hometown and it's, you know, it's, it's a year later. Is it any easier? A little bit, but not much. I don't know if it ever is going to be easier, but that game that night, and there were a lot of people questioning if it was going to go forward or not, but it was a good thing it did because as much as we were getting all this crazy news, and I mean, I was up till 5 a.m. the night of the tragedy getting news from home, who was where, what was happening, um, even into Saturday getting it. It was a nice release to at least for a couple hours get your mind off things. And this was the start of the fourth quarter, and somebody started the chant out just as the TV timeout was about to come out. And uh, the entire arena erupted. I remember Dylan Ward banging his pads, the players banging the bench. Even Todd LeBranch, you know, wisely stopped the, the game, you know, didn't allow the faceoff to happen for about 30, 40 seconds to let this happen. Yeah, never forget. Um, I mean, that, even looking at that intersection is still difficult for me. I drove past that intersection twice a week. Up until a few months before that accident, I'm glad I don't actually work up that way anymore because I don't know if I could take it. This this was a rough week to get through um, all the memories, and you know. But we will never forget those uh, 29 people. 
Absolutely, and uh, it was it was really amazing to kind of watch not only the the hockey community but the sporting community and and really the country kind of come together uh, in support of Humboldt and the and the Broncos with vigils going on across the country and uh, you know a big shout out to Ryan Rashog and and the crew at TSN for all the work that they did and not an easy thing to cover as a reporter um, but they did a fabulous job with it and um, I think. You know, paid their respects uh, the way they should, and and um, you're right. Uh, it's it's just a tragic, tragic thing, and I don't think it'll ever get wiped away from your memory, and I don't think it ever should. And, and good on the Saskatchewan Rush, who you know tweeted out a couple of pictures with a lacrosse stick and a hockey stick out at the Pepsi Center. Um, you know, sticks out for Humboldt was was a movement uh, a year ago, and it continues to be one. To this day, um, so just a, a little chance to, to remember the Broncos there as uh, we'll get into the show here, and it's a big one. As I mentioned, Reese Dutch and Andrew Suter coming up. Uh, before we get into that, however, we have to recap what was a wild week 16 in the National Lacrosse League. Was it week 16 or 17? It was 16, right? Your guess is as good as mine here. We can find out. <laughs> I'll have to go back. They're just kind of blending all together. It was, in fact, week 17. So we are into week 18, Evan Sheminar. That is nuts. Uh, just a few weeks to go in the regular season, and uh, things looking pretty dire for yours truly. I might have to make my way back out to Stampede Tack and uh, start picking out some chaps and maybe some spurs. Because things didn't get any better for old Jumbo uh, in the week that was. Let's let's get into it here, Evan. Week 17, the National Lacrosse League. There was a bunch of games and a bunch of good ones. Uh, who we had is presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They are your complete source for boots. I took the Blundstones out for a spin uh, over the birthday weekend, Evan, and uh, they were great. I really enjoyed them. So you can find those Blundstone boots at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They also have CSA-approved boots. They ship Canada-wide. They're located in Cloverdale, and you can shop online at stampede.ca. Okay, here we go. Uh, Buffalo at Toronto to start off the weekend's action there. This was a Friday night game at Toronto. And, Evan, I, if you recall a week ago, I was very tempted to take the Toronto Rock in this game but did not want to lose any ground to you by picking the other team. So we both picked the Buffalo Bandits. It was uh, maybe the game of the week here. This was a fantastic lacrosse game from Scotiabank Arena. It went to overtime. Adam Jones made his return. He scores seven points, as does Robbie Hellyer, as does Dane Smith, but it's not enough as the Rock take down the Bandits 12-11 in overtime. Brandon Slade, the overtime hero. And, uh, yeah, definitely a great game to watch because it was back and forth and back and forth. Even though there were a few runs in the game, no team was ever up by more than two the entire time. Fabulous to watch it. Um, and, you know, the, the critical thing here, Buffalo and Georgia were, of course, in a race for first place. Buffalo was a game ahead of them. And the first tiebreak was even. The second tiebreak was even. Buffalo had the third tiebreak, which was goal differential in the two games. Now that they've lost this division game, Georgia actually creeps ahead of them in the tiebreak, so they're even the standings. And now Georgia has flipped that script on that on that top tiebreaker. Adam Jones, a definite difference maker here. That lefty side was just a mess in Toronto for the last several games. He steps back in, everything's fixed. Unfortunately, he wasn't around for the second game, but 
you know, a definite upgrade. Brandon Slade, what can you say? Not only does he get the game-tying goal, he gets the game-winning goal as well. Um, Toronto had the opportunity, at least at the end of this game, to actually have a home playoff game, so it was an important game for them. Unfortunately, as you find out later on, they let it slip later on. Yeah, well, well, we'll get to that, Evan. Don't uh, don't let the cat out of the bag quite yet. Yeah, Adam Jones definitely made a, a difference in that game. I don't know if it's all fixed in Toronto. For me, Tom Schreiber is still a bit of a mystery. What's going on with 26 uh, in a rock uniform? He's putting up a few points here and there, but he's not the dominant Tom Schreiber that we've seen over the last couple of years, Captain America, if you will. And I don't know if he's maybe battling a bit of a nagging injury or whether teams are just kind of starting to figure out Schreiber a little bit. But, um, you know, for a guy that was widely regarded as maybe the best player in lacrosse a year ago, I think we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit uh, as far as box lacrosse goes, because it's not really happening for Schreiber uh, this season as a whole, really. It could actually be the knee surgery and that he's just not back yet from it. Yeah, no, it could be. I mean, it looks like he's moving okay. I, d- I don't know what, what exactly it is, but uh, something is a little amiss there. We've got to move on, Evan. Uh, we got a big show coming up, and we got to get to our guests here. But uh, let's move along here. It was a big weekend for the San Diego Seals as they had a tough uh, schedule on deck here. First, they go into Georgia to take on the Swarm in a place that's never really easy to play. Brandon Clellan goes 23 for 30 in the faceoff dot for the Seals. Dan Dawson puts up 3-3. Three and three. No Jordan McIntosh, no John Rannigan. It doesn't matter as Holden Katoni puts up 8 points. Shane Jackson puts up 7. And the Georgia Swarm really, from start to finish, kind of dominated this lacrosse game. 17-10, your final and it was a game that featured a couple of key injuries to the Seals as well as the potential Rookie of the Year, Austin Stotts, goes down along with Buchanan, which looked like it was a concussion. Um, not good news there for San Diego against the Swarm as they lose the game and lose two players. And this game was over with quickly. Georgia was just pull, pushing it hard. Lyle Thompson was on an absolute mission, like this guy in the first half. He was beating guys to the net time and time again. Odd thing that San Diego was matching up youngsters against him rather than putting out some of their vets to, to try and contain him in that opening half. Um, you know, frankly, Frankie Chiliano didn't have a chance on a lot of these shots. Um, yeah, but, of course, the big news here is what's going on with Buchanan, what's going on with all the stats. And, you know, the, the news that we're getting is that this could be rest of the regular season, rest of the season. That it, He's actually fairly banged up. And why he came back out in this game uh, is a mystery to me because the game was well in hand at that stage, so why push it? Then? Well, but, I, I'll tell you why, Evan, because, and, and this is just speculation on my point, my part, but... Maybe Austin Stotts knew that his regular season was coming to an end and potentially his season and thought, the damage is done. I'm just going to try and play through this for the rest of the game because it may be the last game I play for a while. And just, I mean, I, I this kid's a gamer, Evan. Like, he plays the game so hard that he's he's prone to injury because he just, he's one of those guys that kind of, like, initiates contact when he, like, he he likes that. You know, he's like a running back in football that doesn't want to go out of bounds. He'll he'll take the hit instead of you know saving his body a little bit and 
We've seen this kid banged out. I watched him pop his own shoulder back into a <laughs> into a socket during a Man Cup game, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago. So nothing would surprise me with Austin Stotts. It didn't look good. He, you know, he tried to finish the game. He was limping around. He did not play the following night in New England, which we will touch on here momentarily. But uh, Saskatchewan licking their chops uh, for a Friday night matchup with potentially no Buchanan and no Stotts in that lineup down in San Diego. Uh, that could be two huge losses for the Seals. And they had the attendance here. Evan, I know you're a big attendance guy. Uh, no. 9,300 listed at the Infinite right. Energy Center. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. Let's no, no. let's not dwell on it. I just I don't know why they continue to blimp up their attendance numbers. There was nowhere clear of 9,300 there. And... I really wish uh, they wouldn't do that. Just, I mean, yeah, every team kind of bolsters things up a little bit, but that was that was yeah, offside. That's that's ninety percent of the building filled. Uh, it's not even close, and I don't know who they're trying to kid on this. But you know, like I said to mention with the uh, with uh, Jaros, there is mm. the bo- the players' bonuses is based on a t- uh, ticket count. So this is but working against them. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I don't know what, what the deal is there, but uh, I will say this, that the crowds are getting better in Georgia. They've been way up this year, but they're, they're not at 9,300, but they the crowds are getting better there in Georgia. So I, w- I want to make sure I'm fair in the, in that comment. Uh, moving along. Uh, we both had Georgia in that game. I changed my pick at the last second, and thank goodness I did. So, one and one through the first two games. Uh, Saturday morning, this game actually took place at 9 a.m. where I live, Evan Schemenauer. A Saturday morning game at 9 o'clock. Interesting. From Philadelphia, the Roughnecks uh, travel across the continent to take on the Wings, and slow out of the gates once again here for Philly. 5-0 in the first quarter. 10 points from Dixon, 11 from Dane Doby. Del Bianco solid as always. They chased both goaltenders in this game. It was a rotating door there for Paul Day between Buckin and Abrams. Uh, Roughnecks put up 18. Philadelphia puts up 13. Roughnecks in a walk here over the wings. I actually like the, the early morning game. and Part of it is I you and it. I got to watch every game and all of a sudden, you know, here we got a morning game. We can get it out of the way, and we don't have to conflict with all the other games happening at the same time at night. So, absolutely, I love it. As long as you can get the crowd in the door, that's, I guess, is the critical part. Yeah, and it was down a little bit in Philly, but not like, I mean, they still had close to 10,000 there, so it wasn't like, you know, it dropped off dramatically. No. I mean, in this game here, uh, yeah, you had the rotating goaltenders. They had... Three now. These are three legit goaltending changes. This isn't a situation where a guy goes in for a minute, the other guy comes back out. They went. To, they started with Buckin. They're down what five, six, seven, nothing early. He goes out. Abrams comes in, does worse. To be frankly honest, they put Buckin back in and they put Abrams back in again at the end of the game. So um, a really interesting thing. To be frankly honest, the this is a repeated theme throughout the week that the scoreline 18, 13 is even a little flattering for Philly. They scored four of the last five when the game was well in hand because Calgary was up 17, nine at one stage, but yeah, absolutely dominating performance in the third early fourth quarter. Calgary just kept pumping it in because 
it was a 10-7, I think, and we thought, yeah, is Philly actually going to come back and give us a heart attack again, but not this time. Dobie and Dixon put on a show, and it was over with pretty quickly. That is for sure, and uh, Philadelphia looking like they may get the first overall pick uh, coming up. No, I guess they won't because the ex- one of those expansion no. teams will get the first overall pick. But no, they don't even have that pick. No. Oh. Yeah, well, they traded go. it away to forget to get Kevin Crowley. There you go. So you know more than I do when it comes to draft picks and all that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about that a little later on in the podcast as well. Uh, you took Calgary. I took Philadelphia in that one, and the Wings let me down. Only <laughs> uh, because they let you down this season by now. Yeah, no, you I should learn this. I should probably learn my lesson. You're right, uh, but I got it. Like these are things that I need to do at this stage of the game if I want to try. I mean. Whether I lose who you got by 10 games or one game, if I lose, I lose. So really doesn't matter uh, a whole lot, I guess, for my personal pride more than anything, uh, depending on what my overall record is at the end of the year. I don't know how much that really matters either. But anyways, a um, couple more games to go here in a busy week 17. And I mentioned the tough weekend for the San Diego Seals. It did not get any easier as they... Went from Georgia up to Uncasville, Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Arena. This was actually a night game for New England. They're not used to playing those on Saturday night, but they played one here, and they played a good game. They jumped out to a 7-2 lead in this first quarter. I mentioned no stats, no Buchanan for the Seals, and Dan Dawson... How about Dan Dawson, Evan Sheminar, just continues to... Nine assists for the dangerous one in this one, but it's not enough for the Seals as Crawford shows up on the score sheet after a a lackluster game, after returning in his first game back from suspension. Puts up nine points in this one. Him and Joey Rez look like they kind of had something going. Black Wolves win this one. It was kind of a blowout, and then an 8-2 fourth quarter made this one look a lot closer than it really was. 17-14 Black Wolves over the Seals. Yeah, that was, I think, the critical thing, because it was 15-5 about halfway through the third, and this game was long over. By then, it was 13-5. You you had to look at this schedule and think, what are the schedule makers thinking? Because you're not only are you flying across country to get to Atlanta, and you're already tired enough, you then got to make the three-and-a-half-hour flight up to Boston, a bus ride down to the casino. When you played a tiring game the night before, it wasn't going to help, but New England put their foot on the gas knowing that San Diego's going to be tired, and they took full advantage of it. Frankie Chiliano, just 14 saves on 26 shots. Carlson actually had a pretty good game in relief. Yeah, I was going to um, say, but, and, I, and, I, and I was going to mention, Evan, like you mentioned Tyler Carlson coming in for Chiliano, just kind of ran out of steam in that second game, and, and, and rightly so, I, I suppose, like you mentioned, but... I just go back to when Tyler Carlson was cut from the Saskatchewan rush and the goaltending problems that have plagued the Philadelphia Wings, Carlson being an Eastern. I just, I don't know why Paul Day would not go out and acquire Tyler Carlson when he was available for nothing. Um, when he was just yeah, sitting there, no. they're just sitting there. And I mean, the guy's got NLL experience. He's got championships like just sitting there and, they didn't take him. San Diego snapped him up quickly. And you just kind of wonder where Philly would be if they had solid goaltending all year long. 
No, and as our friend Tyson Gick, we'll just give him that name. <laughs> Gick Nation, baby, yeah. As Zeno managed to screw it up again this week. Um, but his his big team guys, Kyler Carlson's probably the biggest team guy you can find. Yeah, Friar's got to be on that list. Yeah, like he's an absolute cheerleader on the bench. You know, the big encourager, even though he doesn't get many minutes. The other thing we got to take from this game Garrett Billings went limping hard to the bench mm. uh, early in the fourth quarter, and he didn't return. Yeah, I think so that was. You could have. I think that was guys. an ankle, Evan. I don't. I, I would expect Billings to be back in the lineup if I know GB. Mind you, when we talked to Garrett Billings and we talked about him coming back from injury, he said it wasn't his knee that was plaguing him when he made his return to Vancouver. It was more his ankle that needed to be cleaned out because he said that. It was it was like it was swollen on him all the time, and he just it really slowed him down. And I don't know if it's the same ankle. It was definitely an ankle injury. He just kind of came down on the turf a little wonky and went down. But um, I don't think it was anything too too serious for Garrett Billings, and especially if Buchanan is out of lineup, I would expect to see thirteen in there for the Seals. But uh, you know, no point in returning to that game at that point there for Garrett Billings and. Uh, short turnaround, only got six days to recover. We'll see. We'll see. As a tough weekend there for San Diego, going 0-2, losing some bodies to injury. And now we'll have to uh, head home and take on the Saskatchewan Rush on Friday night. What a game that is going to be. We're going to talk about that and who you got. But we got two more games to cover here and who we had before we get to Reese Dutch here in mere Minutes. Toronto on the back half of a doubleheader for them. Go down to Rochester. A pretty short bus ride. Not grueling travel there for Toronto. But uh, you mentioned no Adam Jones. And they just uh, they come up short in this one. They just couldn't get over the hump. And give Rochester some credit here, Evan. They have not packed it in. Even though that New England win on Saturday night sealed the Rochester Nighthawks' fate as far as making the playoffs go. They showed up in this game. They beat Toronto 12-10, to the second quarter, really the key in this one. Yeah, I'm actually surprised how well Rochester's been doing lately because you think about it, season's over. Um, you know, they're going to Halifax. They're not even staying in the same city. And these guys are still showing up and producing some good results. Now, they haven't got all the wins that they were hoping for, but they've had a lot of close games. And this time they got it, and it was a 5-1 push in the second quarter really that was the difference Toronto tried to claw their way back but in the end of the day what you know we, we talked about this many times before is that the loose balls whoever wins that battle is going to win the game and Rochester won it by about 20 loose balls and that really was a difference at the end everybody will tell you Evan loose balls win games uh, they'll tell you that right in minor lacrosse right up through the pros win loose balls win games uh, final game of the evening and what was really kind of a high scoring weekend as far as uh, scoring goes here in 2019 this one was at the other end of the spectrum just 4-1 at halftime for the rush as they kind of jumped out to a quick lead at this one in front of 12,000 at the Pepsi Center, Mark Matthews, the high water man, with just four points in this game, two and two for the mailman. Um, and a big game for Saskatchewan as they get the season series against the Mammoth. They creep a little closer to the Seals for that first overall in the West. 9 7 rush over the Mammoth. Whoever was scouting for the rush in this game deserves a bonus. And the reason I say that is that defense was. 
ahead of the mammoth on where those passes were going. Even on the penalty kill, Rubish was able to step out and knock down passes. So they had this offense figured out from the start and, you know, quite the job. Definitely a goaltending battle. And this is one thing when the original three stars of this game were announced. I'm looking at this like, hold on a second here. You've got Adam Shute who, okay, you only see 32 shots, but you look at the shots that he faced. Like he was, uh, he must have stopped about a half a dozen breakaways. Yeah, he was just absolutely on fire. And Dylan Ward went forty six for fifty five. Yeah. So you know those were the two stars of the game, and the original three stars, none of them were listed. They did amend it to eventually put Adam Shoot as the second star. But Mark Matthews at two and two, uh, that's a actually a poor night for him. Oh yeah. So you know, I, I don't how, know. I don't know who is in charge of picking stars in some arenas. Like it, it blows me away because really I think a lot of times you'll just get somebody that looks at the stats and there's like a formula, like if, if the home team wins, well, they get first and third star. If the road team wins, well, they get, they get the, the first star and the, the home team gets the second. Like it, it, and then they just look at the points and go, oh, okay, well, that's first, second, and third. They don't take the defense into consideration. They don't take the goaltending into consideration. They don't, like, I really wish people took a little more time and thought into picking three stars for games. Um, and it's not just Colorado. Like, I, I've seen this in Saskatchewan. I've seen it in Vancouver. I've seen it all over the place. And... Whoever gets put in charge of picking three stars, take your job a little more seriously and put some thought into it when you do it because it's important. Um, so there's my little soapbox for the week. Evan, uh, what did I what did I go there in in week seventeen? It wasn't good. I know that. You went two and four. I went four and two. Toronto got me on both ends. The game they won, I had them to lose. The game they lost, I had them to win. But yeah, it was. Obviously, if you would have known that uh, no no Buchanan, no Stotts yeah. came on. Well, at that Saturday, point, at that point, man, I was them. like, I was five back, and I was like, you know what? This is way better for Saskatchewan if New England wins this game against San Diego. So screw it, uh, go go Black Holes, and they they got it done. So uh, overall records, I believe I'm down six games now. Give me the overall records, please. Yeah, I'm at fifty six and twenty eight. You're fifty and thirty four. Okay, six back as we head into week 18. All is not lost, but uh, the hill got a little higher to climb. That was Stampy Tax, who we had uh, four and two week for Evan, two and four for yours truly. We got to get to break because uh, we got my man, Reese Dutch. Dutchie of the Calgary Roughnecks is coming up next here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Keep it locked right here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Serving the business and sports community since 2018, Extreme Threads provides custom design apparels around the world. Specializing in lacrosse, they deliver exceptional quality and service, customizing box and field team apparel and uniforms. Extreme Threads offers free design work and takes the time to ensure you get exactly what you need for your team or club. Contact Extreme Threads at sales at extremethreads.ca for your custom apparel needs today. Hey, lacrosse fans, this is Steve Deep Fryer. You're listening deeply to Lacrosse Classified on Locks All Stars. Deeply growing the game, one podcast at a time. 
All right, welcome back to Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. Speaking of Extreme Threads, big thanks to our title sponsor. You know the deal by now, but if you don't, you mention my name when your team signs up for an apparel package. And your coach, your manager, you get free stuff. Maybe Reese Dutch is coaching like a minor team and he needs new uniforms or maybe new gear bags. Uh, call my friends at Extreme Threads, sales at extremethreads.ca. Sign your team up, get free stuff. Simple as that. Now, joining us here on the podcast, and this is really weird for me to say, but Reese Dutch from the Calgary Roughnecks on the podcast. Dutchy, thanks for doing this. Hey, you know, no problem. Good to be here, Jake. Uh, good to have you here, man. I know uh, you're traveling up the Malahat right now. You're pulled over. Safety first. Uh, so I appreciate you doing that. Um, let's talk about your Roughnecks. Big win in Philadelphia over the weekend. What was it like? going to the East Coast, and then not only doing that, but playing a game at noon. Yeah, I think that was the weirdest part. I mean, we were in Roche a couple weeks before, so the travels, I mean, not, not anything new. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird schedule. We we got we actually flew in a few of us on the Thursday just to get used to the time change because we practiced Friday afternoon. and then, But, yeah, getting up and then uh, heading straight from breakfast to the arena is certainly not a very common feeling. I look back to your season, and the first few games, especially in Curtis Dixon, still not signed at that time, you played some of the best lacrosse I've seen you play in years. Was there a chip on your shoulder? Like It seemed like we had pissed off Reese Dutch trying to prove a point to the league. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Bruce proved a point in a negative way. I think, uh, I think it was really important for me both, you know, I'm, I'm earning a spot on a new team as, as well as, I'm, you know, I've been battling – injury for so long that I wanted to make prove a point to myself as well as the league that I was still here for, you know, I got years of, of good lacrosse left in me and, uh, you know, obviously team success is most important, but it was nice to, you know, feel like I was a big contributor in some of those wins. Well, we've, we've talked it about it before when you're with the stealth, uh, myself and Brad Challoner, like we, we like watching angry Dutch play lacrosse. Cause, uh, I think you, you take it to another level when you, when you get a little angry Reese, but, um, your roughnecks clicking along here. Before we get to that, I don't know if I've asked you this yet or not, uh, but take me back. I know Dr. Curtis Manning wearing number 10 for the Calgary Roughnecks, and he hasn't really been in the lineup a whole lot, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but obviously number 10 not available to you in Calgary. Why number 18? Honestly, I man, I, it really just was kind of, I mean, the first thought was just kind of it looks like a zero, <laughs> like similar look to it. Um, 2018 was sort of when the change was made for my life. So, you know, 2018 could, uh, could work. And then honestly, I don't know, Rob Hellier, who usually wears number 10, came out and wore 18 for the Shamrocks. So it's kind of just, it was a weird, there's a few different thought processes, none of them too overly important, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it was available and kind of just made the most sense from what was left. Obviously different offensive systems in Vancouver and in Calgary. What do you think is the biggest adaptation you had to make to, to, uh, climatize to the Roughnecks offense? Um, well, I mean, I'm playing a bit of a different role here, right? With Vancouver, we um, a little bit more—I don't want to say more freelance, but um, I, I, it was more about a ball carrying as an offense. And then here, obviously, we got guys Dane Doby, Dixon, guys that you know are—they're most effective when the ball is in their stick. Um, obviously, everybody needs to do everything, so I've kind of adapted more of a role as maybe a pick, pick setter and a bit of a ball mover, and and kind of we initiate the offense as a group as opposed to maybe one or two guys kind of being easy to key on for the defense. So. Um, yeah, I think I, I've, I've adapted my game. I've learned a lot just from playing with those guys, but also uh, from coach from uh, Slip and then uh, Mouse there. 
um, just you know the up picks and and the sort of uh, the five man offense. So it's been uh, it's been an adjustment, both learning about the game, but also just fitting into a little bit of a new role. Speaking with Reese Detch of the Calgary Roughnecks, and and I wanted to ask you about that, Detch. Like going from Vancouver and and battling Calgary, whatever it was, five six times a year, sometimes for the better part of a decade. Now you're on the other side of things, and you're playing with guys like Dixon and Doby. Like, what have you learned about the Calgary Roughnecks that maybe you didn't really know while you were a member of Vancouver? Ooh, I mean, I don't know. You kind of, <laughs> I guess. I guess when you're in an offensive um, offensive role with a team, you don't study other teams' offenses as much as you would their defenses. So I didn't really kind of kind of look at, at the structure of things, the way Calgary ran, you know, just some of the timing of their picks and, and passes and stuff like that. And not a whole lot has changed with their identity in that sense. Obviously there's been some guys turn over in the in their lineup uh, over the last few years. But uh yeah, I think I think it just kind of learning the, the systems that Mouse has learned has been the biggest biggest difference for me. And then I mean, thinking back, I probably could have recognized some of the things that was going on now that I know what's going on, but yeah. I never really kinda took the time to appreciate it, I guess. Well what's what's Kurt like as a coach, uh, you know what? Honestly, I mean, I, I don't want to say this in any sort of sense of a bad way, but I'm super pleasantly surprised. I mean, obviously, he's a very passionate guy, and and you hear some stories maybe about uh, a couple of locker room blowouts here and there, but he certainly hasn't been at all like that, and and it's been very positive. And and I mean, obviously, there's times when coaching needs to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, harsh that we'll say than others. But um, you know, it's just been he's a great motivator and it makes it easy to learn from him because everybody kind of wants to be successful underneath of him. So it's, uh, I mean, pleasantly surprised in the, in the most positive sense of the way of putting it. It's been an awesome experience so far. Of course he's when in Vancouver, you struggled for quite a few years. There were a lot of seasons that, you know, the wins didn't rack up the two and 16 season it has to be a lot more fun playing now on a, on a team that, you know, wins on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we all play for the love of the game, but the love of the game stems from winning, <laughs> right? Like it's, uh, it was, uh, it was definitely frustrating. I mean, you know, it felt like we were right there in a lot of the games, and this even in a lot of the seasons, maybe one or two guys away or one or two breaks away from being able to turn the corner. Um, I mean, going back a couple of years when we kind of had a big win streak at the end of the year to make the playoffs and even have that home playoff game against Colorado. Um, you know, right, like just little things like that. We were right there with those teams, um, just ultimately weren't successful. So it was it was becoming a bit of a drag. Like it, it does drag on, right? Losing seasons aren't fun for anybody from the top down. So yeah, I mean, to turn it back to Calgary, it's uh, I mean, <laughs> what a, what an awesome experience it's been. I mean, we had we a three game win streak, three game lose streak. It's been a bit streaky, but yeah, I mean, we're 500, right? And it's been a long time since I've been able to say that. No doubt, as we speak with Reese Dutch of the Calgary Roughnecks, and I saw a couple of pictures up on the old IG the other day, Dutchy, that uh, you brought the Finster out to Calgary. I'm in the locker room uh, making the tour around. You had your wife, and uh, I don't know if that was your mom or your mom-in-law there with Jenna, but um, talk about how cool that was to, to be able to bring your boy. He was probably just coming to an age now where he realizes what daddy does for a living. Um, that had to be pretty cool for you. Absolutely. I mean, he's been lacrosse obsessed since, I mean, he's, he's been, since he was two years old, he wouldn't let me leave the backyard. So he certainly is understanding of lacrosse and, and excited about it. Um, but yeah, he's definitely gaining more of an, more of an appreciation and uh, an understanding for the team aspect and like the group of guys getting together and the competition on the floor and, and then what, like all the love that's entailed with that. So it was really cool to be able to bring him in the locker room. He actually, he was, I was quite surprised. He's normally, he's not, he's not a shy person. 
don't know where he gets that from, but <laughs> usually in a group setting, it takes him a minute to uh, settle in, but he grabbed the ball and pen and was walking around demanding autographs and he sat in the locker room and took it all in. And it was actually, I mean, I, I, I might've enjoyed it even more than he did. Just right. you know, look in his eyes. So yeah. it was really, really, really cool. Yeah. But you look at the rest of the schedule here. You got two games left, a big one, I guess, against the rush in a couple weeks. Is it, that one's got to be a critical one just to get your momentum going into the playoffs and, you know, maybe put an ounce of doubt into that rush team, you know, when you're going to face them uh, a few weeks later again. Yeah, totally. I mean, these last two games are against teams. I mean, Georgia, you know, there's great, good chance that they can come out of the tops in the East too. So there's potential we could see them again down the line if, if things go our way. And then obviously, yeah, that game that's for the uh, season series with the rush. And I mean, who knows, we could win these two games and still finish first in the West, I think. So it's kind of uh it's, I mean, it's anything's it's still up in the air in the West. So, I mean, winning is obviously important for those reasons. There's nothing about these games that are mean nothing. And then uh, we do have that bye week the last weekend too, which, you know, I'm going to see as a positive thing, maybe, maybe lick some wounds and uh, we're going to be, uh, we'll be going in for a practice that weekend too and uh, kind of get to scout whoever it is that we're going to be playing in the, in the playoffs. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, planned out in any team's head is good, especially if we're going to be seeing them shortly after in the playoffs. Well, I'm going to be there for that uh, April 20th game, Reese Dutch. So I look forward to, to seeing you there. Before we let you go, one more here. Uh, summer season just on the horizon here. I know Man Cup out west and Shamrocks always have high hopes of uh, obtaining that. Uh, you got another WLA season left in those uh, big calves of yours, Reese Dutch? <laughs> I do, man. I do. I, I, it's, it's, bitter, it's hard um, to ever think about giving it up, right? It's not like... Oh, I'll just take a few years off and then just expect to be able to go back. Like, you know, maybe a job that you were passionate or not so passionate about. There's kind of a <laughs> once a you let it go, man, it's over. <laughs> you don't that's usually what I'm saying, yeah, right? And yeah. every, you know, everybody like that's played knows in any in any sport in any capacity. So it's kind of a, it's um. I mean, I still got good years to get left, and I and I honestly have only been able truthfully getting healthier as the season's been going. So I think you know, even though I feel like I'm having a decent season and, and I'm happy with the way things are going with the Roughnecks, I still got better years ahead of me too. So it's going to be um. I'm excited for a, li- a few more years, anyways. But yes, to take it back to the summer, I'm going to be with the Shamrocks again, um, a little bit part time, uh, just to do with the travel and, and the the real life stuff. But sure. um. Yeah, no, I'm excited for it, and we got a lot of young guys coming in. Uh, we're going to be a very talented group with a lot of depth, so it's going to be a good run. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting season, no question about it. A lot of teams going to make a run for it here, including those Shamrocks. Hey, I'll let you get back on the highway. Uh, congratulations on your latest house sale there uh, over on the island and uh i gotta apologize I, I greased you a little bit on the last time we were on a flight together i i, I caught you slipping uh, a little bit so i apologize for that man and uh we'll look forward to seeing you in calgary in a couple of weeks <laughs> no problem man yeah i look forward to you make sure we uh, get together say hi sounds good thanks reese dutch uh dutchy's looking good for those calgary roughnecks evan and you mentioned you know starting the season there with no westberg no curtis dix and it was really reese dutch that was helping that team along and and now he's kind of found a role there on that right side that uh is a little different for reese dutch but he's embraced it and he's flourishing yeah and uh <laughs> the flourishing part i love it but uh you know, and they picked him up for what? Nothing. And once again, there's another one of these guys in Vancouver that gets cut. Somebody picks him up, and he just absolutely tears it up on a new team. What can you say? He, he had an amazing few opening weeks, and without Curtis Dixon there, he, he pushed that team. I think they're, what, 3-1 and one to start the year. Yeah. So, he, you know, with without your top scorer, 
that's a fantastic start. Long list of players there from Vancouver that they just let go that are flourishing on other teams in the National Lacrosse League. Evan Sheminar, we got to get to break. Uh, we got a good friend of Reese Dutch is coming up next. I know uh, Suitsy will be excited to know Reese Dutch was on the show, and I'm sure Reese will be excited to know that Suits is on the show. Andrew Suter from the New England Black Wolves comes up next here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vita Labs is proud to bring you the highest quality sports supplements on the market. PVL products are 100% all natural with no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. And the entire line is also Informed Choice certified. We designed all our products with the athlete in mind. We look forward to being a part of your athletic achievements, helping you push the bar higher, win at the highest levels, and set personal records for years to come. Hey, this is John Gertler, the voice of the Buffalo Bandits. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on Lax All-Stars, growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lax All-Stars Podcast Network. Pure Vital Labs, one of our fabulous sponsors here. All natural, no artificial colors, flavors. It's pro-choice certified Best supplements on the market come from Pure Vital Labs. You can find them at pvl.com or their social media at Pure Vital Labs. And they'll keep you in the game. Anything else would be unsportsmanlike. Uh, we just had Reese Dutch on the line. He says to say hello, and we will do the same. Hello, Andrew Suter from the New England Black Holes. Thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot for having me on. Our pleasure, man. Uh, big win for the Black Wolves on the weekend. You clinched that playoff spot with a victory over the San Diego Seals. That one had to feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of opportunities to do it and weren't able to. And it's nice to, you know, secure that you know you're playing, you know, a couple of extra games or I should say an extra game. Um, obviously, with high hopes of playing more, but I think it's just a lift, uh, you know, a load off your back being able to know that you're you're in there and. You know, we still have bigger plans. You know, we don't want to be in the four hole, and we still have a chance to possibly catch some teams. So that's uh, always a goal ahead of us. Obviously, you're playing a tired team uh, on Saturday. They had, ran into a few big injuries, but you guys pushed the ball awfully hard in that opening quarter. That was the game plan. You thought you'd catch them off guard that, you know, they just didn't have the energy in them? Um, I think for us, it was more so we've been getting away from our transition. And uh, I think we're more successful when we contribute and help our O out. So I, I think it's always in our game plan. I think we were just better execution on this game. Talk about the Mohegan Sun. It's a place I've been a couple of times, Andrew. And it's you know a place that you've played in, in twice now, uh, as two different stints as a member of the Black Wolves. And you've been in there on the other side of things as well. You guys like to play those Sunday afternoon games, and, and your record at home at the Mohegan Sun Casino is is a good one. How big of an advantage is it playing at home, and, and what do you think the advantages are? I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, I mean, the biggest advantage being the 1 o'clock. So, uh, we've adjusted to it as a team, and it's something that the other teams aren't used to. Um, it's a bit of a different travel situation. I mean, you depending if you're flying into Boston or Hartford, some teams that have we've caught on doubleheaders actually bust it. So, um, you, you can say that's a competitive advantage, but in this league, I find a lot of the time the teams on they're coming off double headers are the ones that usually sneak out that second win. So, 
Um, I think it's just big for us just being able to play there. It's a bit of a smaller floor. We're compact in there. Um, and I think our fans are a huge thing too for us. I mean, like you said, in my first stint, it was kind of the team's first year. And now in its fifth year, I mean, the difference of knowledge for the fans and their true lacrosse fans, they cheer for a little ground ball that actually is a big play and things like that, which go a long way for us. I think about your last couple of years, and it's been a bit of a bumpy ride. And personally, I don't understand it. You get cut in Rochester. Vancouver picks you up for nothing. You sign a long-term deal there, but then they trade you away for a couple third-rounders, which, once again, doesn't make sense to me. Was this a season where you had to go prove yourself again? Because you look at your stats, you're getting very close to your numbers that you put up in Minnesota. Um, You know what? I just I don't really have a concern, or I don't really know how to answer that one. I mean you always want to prove yourself every year, every year there's a guy coming to try to take your job. It's nice to finally feel healthy. And, uh, you know, with the change in ownership in Vancouver and stuff, I think that, you know, they were going in a different direction and I have nothing but respect for the way they handled things. And I'm happy to be closer to home, but I think every year I go and I want to prove something. I want to try to get back to the level I was at and, you know, just trying to stay in shape and make sure I'm competing for my teammates night in and night out. Speaking with Andrew Suter, and, and to me, Suits, you look healthier than, than you've ever been. Just, you know, your your physical fitness, but the way you're running and, and being able to play every single night, like it, it just looks like you're you're healthier than you've been in a long, long time. I want to talk about the the part of your game where you put the gloves down on the turf and get after it a little bit. And and Dawson Thede was your latest combatant and, and now being a veteran in the league like I remember back in the Minnesota days with the Bash brothers and you and Rory and it was just kind of like it was almost an every given night sort of thing and now it happens a little less frequently in your game and, and rightly so because guys usually don't come knocking on your door more than once but uh, is it something you still feel like you need to do or want to do or do you just like if it happens it happens where do you come out on all that uh, I mean I think it's they liking and do it's one thing, but I think it's you need to do it. I mean, I know there's a lot of different sides of things where people don't believe it belongs in the sport and stuff like that. But I mean, if you think back to all the old time hockey and stuff like that, that's how the NHL got big. And I mean, the guy like Wayne Gretzky was pretty well protected, and uh, you know he's been quoted saying that you know it was because of the things that you know, Semenko did and things like that, right? So, um, yeah, it's a part of my game doesn't happen as often anymore and i just feel like it kind of happens when it needs to and uh there's a lot of guys in our league that can do it and there's a couple of very very secret weapons in our league so uh for me personally i like the when two guys agree to it and square off i'm not a big fan of guys being put into situations and stuff like that where they have to try to protect themselves but right. i think it's a part of the game and i think it's a part that's going to be around no no most certainly you're going to never Tell me that fighting doesn't belong in the like game. Nobody leaves the rink. Nobody leaves the rink no. when a fight breaks out, right? Like nobody, everybody no. stands. Like that's when the crowd becomes the loudest. But it's not just that. But it's the policing factor that's there. But what question I was going to ask you, of course, is there's that there's the video that never seems to die. Uh, your fight six years ago against Jeff Snyder is that going to be <laughs> the number one the video that people are going to remember you for the rest of your career? I don't know if it's a video they're going to remember me for, if it was this handsome guy calling it that just did such a good job, so I wasn't too sure. I think they watch it for the play-by-play yeah, personally, right, but right. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, you know what, man? That, like, 
that that fight gets shown a lot, and it was you know the part of the NLL's top ten fights, and and the audio unfortunately is is a little synced, a little bit behind, so it sounds like I'm kind of behind the plate when that fight's going on, regretfully. But uh, that was a heck of a scrap, and that was the second time that you and Snyder had gone at it, and uh, I give the champ a clear decision in that one as we speak with Andrew Suter here at the New England Black Wolves and Suits. I know we've kind of been texting a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks with with what's transpired. With with your teammate Callum Crawford and listen he's a, a friend of mine he's a friend of yours he's been on the show a couple of times as well and and he's taken a lot of heat um, there's no question about it on social media and, and texting with Cal uh, just yesterday he said you know like he literally had to shut his phone take Twitter off his phone because of all the the hate that was going on and and for a guy that is maybe the biggest team guy I know and and like I said a friend of Callum's and just give me the the New England perspective of it. Maybe I don't want you to speak for Callum, but just I know he's kind of shared his feelings with you. And it, there's two sides to every story here, and I just kind of want you to to go to bat for Callum here a little bit, and maybe try and help people understand where '98 was coming from. Oh, well, I think the play is, and I, I know Callum knows it. It was it was a there was no need for the play. It was a, definitely a penalty, and it was definitely worthy of being uh, dismissed from the game and everything like that. The thing that I think people don't realize is that Callum had nothing to do with the appeal. He was only able to speak to the arbitrator. So I think when people compare it to uh, the situations that have happened in the past, that I don't think there's necessarily a full understanding of, you know, a different lawyer, different material be given to the lawyer. How much does the team invest back? Like what scenarios do they go through? What rules do they go through? It was, I don't even know if Nick was the commissioner the last time that was handed out. Um, or if he was, I think it was his first year and stuff. Um, and I mean, there's a, now an appeal committee and everything like that. So I think it's continued to grow and, they're trying to clarify the rule and i think you'll see a change to that rule this year um but for callum's sake uh, for new england's sake we're definitely happy to have callum back and callum's a big boy he can take it but you know it's 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 tough to see your buddy get put on blast but he put himself in that situation i think he's handling it like a man and um you know from there we'll just kind of put it in the past and keep moving forward yeah like uh, like talking with him like i think you, you hit it there see it's like he knows he did something stupid and he feels awful about it to the point where he's reached out to, to the necessary people and and kind of his peers and his teammates and and people and we asked cal to come on and and he respectfully and politely declined and just said you know i don't know if it's going to make it any better me coming on but i think i've reached out to the proper people that i need to to kind of express my feelings and and listen like the I think the guy feels terrible about it, and um, I don't expect to see that kind of stuff out of Callum Crawford. I know a lot of people are now saying he's a dirty player. He's not. He's he's not. He's, he did two really stupid things, and I think the third thing with Withers got way overblown. That's that's a play that happens in lacrosse all the time, and, and um, you know, it was a bit of a flop, and, and the hands came up and all the rest of it, but... I don't think Callum Crawford's a dirty player, and I think he's a good guy, and and uh, he just he made a couple of really bad mistakes. Yeah, he wears his heart on his sleeve, and I mean, quite frankly, at times when an old guy has, likes to try to line someone up, for me, I don't mind it because as a transition guy or D guy, I get to whack them all game. So if they have a chance to get their shot in, if it's mean and clean. Uh, why not? And that's the way the game's played. Unfortunately, like you said, those two were too high. Callum's aware of that. And Callum owned, owned up to that. Um, but, I mean, for the attacks on him, on the social media and stuff, it, it can be viewed as a good thing. It can also be viewed that people are following us and 
you know, any news is good news, right? So any publicity is good publicity and Calum's going to grow from this and hopefully we grow as a team from it as well. And uh, you know what? A league as a whole. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's a great point and fair enough. I mean, yeah. And speaking of social media, you're one of the guys I love to follow. And I guess the reason for it is there's not many of you. I look at say Curtis Dixon, uh, Christian Del Bianco, maybe a John Harnett. You are just blatantly, bluntly honest. And there's never a situation of, we don't know how you feel because you'll just put it out there. And I have to say, I just absolutely appreciate it because you know what, that's the way I am why is it you think that there's not more guys in the league that will just wear their emotions on their sleeve like that? Um, I mean, I think at times I can be seen for doing it and you, you're right. You come off as, I don't know if I want to see like a, a kind of a dick, but like you said, you just want to get your point across and what's the point if people want to come back to you at it then that's fine. I think other guys do do it, but they're probably smarter than I am and do it in, bigger and fancier words where I'm just kind of straight to the point and that's all I got. So that's, uh, it could be that, but I mean, the way that everyone sticks up for each other, I mean, I think you gave some great examples. Curtis is very good at, you know, sticking up for himself and his teammates. Um, and, you know, sitting with Harney and everything like that. So I think it's guys and it just shows like some passion and it shows that you care. And plus a lot of the time we're interacting with the fans. So we're showing respect to the people that come to show us respect and come to watch us play. And, and then there's, and then there's Logan Chess who just like cracks jokes uh, one after the other on, on social media. That's kind of his shtick. Yeah, 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 and he uh, he runs quite the Instagram there. I don't think Granny's ever had a piece of sushi she doesn't like or anything like that. So, you know, Logan does a great job as well. And uh, Del Bianco's got some pretty good ones too. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, uh, I get a good laugh out of those. So it's uh, it's all good with stuff like that. Absolutely. As we speak with Andrew Suter and uh, a couple more minutes here with you, Suits. Uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, ask about the family. Was Greggy, Jackie, Christy, uh, the dog. What, what's going on back in Orangeville? Oh, you know, just God's country up here. Uh, everything's good. We've got a new restaurant. We've got a Chuck's Roadhouse. So we're up to about eight restaurants now. So oh. everything's good up here. Family's good. Uh, obviously, like having me a bit closer to home. This is Greggy's dream to end the year. We go Toronto, Rochester, or Toronto, Buffalo, Rochester. Oh, so can't be that. Some miles on the car. Yeah. So should be all good. And uh, everyone's great. Um, maybe the one person that uh, I didn't ask you about, I know you got a new special lady in your life that uh, you're pretty excited about. Can we discuss that here uh, briefly on the podcast? Suits? Is, is that up for grabs? Yeah, sure. She's uh, She'll probably give me crap for it, but she's great. Uh, we're dealing with the two dogs here today. She's actually currently going through the dinner menu here while I get to sneak away. So I got the night off being a chef, and, uh, you know, she's a pretty special girl, pretty amazing girl, and... Uh, not too sure what she sees in me, but you can trick them <laughs> once, right? So that's the whole plan there. Uh, last one here for you, Andrew Suter. What's uh, you back for another run with the Peterborough Lakers? Going after another Man Cup coming up this summer? Oh, uh, working on getting through the winter right now. I haven't really made any decisions about the summer, but um, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see what goes on here. See how I feel at the end of the year because the old guy might need a, a summer to himself here. I'm not too sure yet. So. We'll uh, wait to see you at the end of this year what's going to go on. What's well, I know uh, lacrosse fans would love to see Andrew Cedar back out west before it's all said and done for one more season as well. So maybe uh, keep that in the back of your mind. And, hey, man, I uh, appreciate you making some time for us here on Lacrosse Classified. It's always great to catch up with you. And uh, best of luck the rest of the way with uh, your New England Bunkles. Thank you guys so much. Kate doing a great job, and we'll talk to you guys soon. 
You betcha. That was Andrew Suter of the New England Black Wolves and uh, Evan Sheminara, one of my favorite players, if not the favorite player uh, that I love to watch play the game of lacrosse. And a terribly underappreciated player, in my opinion. You know, the name's been out there, but the, the stuff he does on the floor, and sometimes it's just that gritty stuff like taking a shot for the team or, you know, you know, get to a fight just because somebody's managed to mess around with somebody. It's these intangibles that every team needs and not too many players can deliver. Uh, there is no question about that and no bigger heart in the game than one Andrew Suter, and that's why I love to watch him play because he just leaves it out on the floor every time he steps out on the turf, and that's what you want out of a lacrosse player. Uh, full out. Every single shift, that's Andrew Suter in a nutshell. And he's got his black holes into the playoffs. And uh, they could be a scary team come playoff time. You know, in these one-game showdowns, anybody can beat anybody. And it would not surprise me to see New England take a little run here uh, if they can get their right foot in front of them and and make a run. The difficult part's going to be is just that home record of all those East teams. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But... Yeah, I mean, it's the playoffs. Anybody can win. And, you know, a fluke injury happens or whatever, you take your shot and you run with it. And it's a team that's finally got all of its pieces back together. It didn't have that for the last three weeks or so. So they got a shot, just like everybody else does. You bet they do. Uh, Evan, that was a great chat with Reese Dutch. That was a great chat with Andrew Suter. One more quarter to go here on Extreme Threads Lacrosse Classified. You know what's next, Evan. It's the sensation sweeping the nation. It's Stampy Tax. Who you got? And it's next right here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lax All Stars Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging is in the business of creating first impressions. They'll help you reflect your company values accurately by offering solutions that fit your product needs. With the latest in printing technology and over 35 years of experience, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit for your company to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Randy Stotts of the Georgia Swarm. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the LAX All-Stars Podcast Network. Growing the game one podcast at a time is what we do here at LAX Class. Thanks for joining us once again. Uh, final quarter here on LAX Class, and it's a big one. It's Stampede Tax. Who you got? And it's presented by Stampede Tax and Western Wear. That makes sense uh, since they are sponsoring this segment. That's who it's presented by as well. I kind of think that's kind of the same thing. Hey, they are your complete source for boots, hats, belts, jeans, and anything country. And I'm starting to wrap my head around more and more that that's what I'll be wearing in just a couple of weeks' time. A bunch of things I've never worn. Uh, Cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, uh, some other things. I've I've never done it, and it looks like I'm going to do it. Uh, Unless I make a miraculous comeback here. And who you got? You're, uh, you're going to be picking every upset of this. Well, I pretty much have to. Don't don't spoil it here, though, Evan. Uh, I might. I don't. We'll see what happens. Uh, don't forget, Stampy Tax ships Canada wide. They're located in Cloverdale, right where the rodeo is every year out there in Cloverdale. Uh, and they're coming back. We'll have some stuff on the horizon for you come summertime from Stampy Tax. So stay tuned for that, uh, but make sure you check them out at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. 
Okay, Evan, uh, four, what do we got? One, two, three, four games on Friday, two games on Saturday. I'm literally looking at the schedule for the first time as we speak right now, and there's some tricky picks coming up here. I don't know if there's going to be too many upsets the way this uh, schedule's looking. I don't even know who the favorites are, to be quite frank with you, but let's run through it here because we're an hour deep, and let's get into it. New England at Toronto. Evan, who you got? Tough one to pick. Both teams, you know, had big wins this week. Simple stat. The four teams in the playoffs in the East are 27-6 and six at home. I'm not taking picking against the home team, so I'm taking the Rock. Yeah, 10-6 and six, Toronto, 8-7 and seven, New England. Toronto's at home. We just talked to Andrew Cedar, who plays for the Black Wolves. So it's kind of tough for me to pick against the Black Wolves. And you you just picked Toronto, is that right? That's right. Okay, give me New England. Give me New England um, because I really think that's almost a pick em game right there. I, I that Toronto is like the one team this year that I have not been able to figure out really. Like every time I pick against them, they win, and every time I pick them, they seem to lose. So that'll probably continue here this week. Uh, but I'm going to take New England anyway just to try and make up some ground on you. Um, a Bit of a cellar-dweller battle here next uh, as the Rochester Nighthawks, who are 4-11, will take on the Colorado Mammoth, who are 6-9. Nighthawks at Mammoth. Evan, who you got? I have to take the Mammoth here just for the simple reason that they need to lock up a playoff spot. They still haven't done that. And they could actually catapult themselves a little bit up the standings. Rochester's been playing great. That's why it's not an easy pick, but I'm going to take the Mammoth. Yeah, I think they found something in Warren Hill a little bit. Uh, he's been playing good the last couple of games. Colorado just has struggled to score goals. And Rochester, like you said, playing pretty good lacrosse lately, so give me another road team. I'll take the Nighthawks against the Mammoth. Third game on Friday night, and this is going to be a little bit weird for me, with San Diego or Saskatchewan being down in San Diego on Friday night, I'm going to fly in to Toontown on Friday, and there's not going to be anybody there. It's just going to be me at the hotel. Oh, no, there'll be a few guys there. Uh, they're, they're not going to fly everybody Well, to San Diego. you know what, I'm, you know what I'm saying. It's going to be a little different. There's going to be no Friday night practice. There's going to be no Saturday morning shoot-around. I'm just going to, like, Go into the gym and just walk on the treadmill for like six hours until uh, it's it's time to go. So um, it's gonna well. Be... I'll take you out for dinner. How about that? Okay. Not so lonely. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, we're not going to La Bamba, just so you know. So pick somewhere different. Um, Georgia at Colorado. Evan, who you got? Georgia, Calgary, huh? Oh, excuse me, Calgary. I said Colorado. Yes, that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's you throw me off. Like, that's my sloppy. <laughs> that's my sloppy printing right there. My apologies. This was actually a yeah. really good game here. Uh, Georgia, it's not, it's, a twelve it's and four, not an easy one. Yeah, eight and eight, Calgary, but at home, twelve and four, Georgia on the road. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's here's why I got the pick I had. I look back at the history of these two, mm. and Georgia does not do well at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They just don't. So I'm taking the Roughnecks. Wow. Well, that makes my pick really easy then. Because uh, I was pretty much just going to pick the opposite of you in this game. So I was 
If you picked Georgia, I was taking Calgary. If you took Calgary, I'm taking Georgia. So give me Georgia, Evan, and I think that they're going to buck that trend. I think Georgia is rolling right now. Um, not that Calgary is playing badly by any stretch of the imagination. I just think Georgia, to me right now, is maybe the hottest team in the league the way they're going. Clicking on all cylinders. Uh, Mikey Poulin back in his own stomping grounds. Katoni coming off a great game. No Jesse King still for Calgary. Give me Georgia. Georgia. I'm taking the swarm, Evan. So three games, three different picks each already. Uh, next up. Another Friday game. It's the late one, and it's San Diego hosting the Saskatchewan Rush. Evan, who you got? Well, besides the fact that I know who you're going to pick, um, <laughs> the, 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 the thing here is that I don't think Ossasat is going to play. We don't know if Kyle Buchanan is going to play. If he does, he won't be 100%. Garrett Billings might not be 100%. And Frankie Shiliano got exposed this weekend. I'm taking the rush. I just think there's too many issues in San Diego to take them in this game. And this is a huge game here for both teams, really. Uh, And it could determine first place in the division. Uh, Season series on the line in this game as well. And I think Saskatchewan just playing a little bit better lacrosse than San Diego right now. So give me the rush as well. Pretty simple there. Okay, now the quick turnaround here for Saskatchewan as they go from San Diego late Friday night. They push that start time back a half an hour, by the way, which won't really change their travel plans, just the amount of rest and sleep they might get. But Philadelphia will be waiting at the Sastel Center for the Saskatchewan rushes. They'll swoop in just before game time, hopefully. Wings at the rush. Evan, who you got? Well, and hopefully we uh, finally exercise the demons of that one jersey at this game. Mm, too. Yes, yes. Yeah, we've had, you know Ben McIntosh and us have managed to secure a jersey for Ryan Booth, so we're going to sacrifice the haunted jersey. Yeah, we got to find uh, it. We got to figure out a way to do that. It's going to be timing. I think is going to be a little bit tricky with with the team coming back late, but uh, hopefully we can arrange something. I think you're going to take care of that. Uh, get Ryan his new Ben McIntosh jersey. Whether we do that inside the Sastel Center, outside, where they we burn it, well, we shred it, it outside because we got to burn the thing, right? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, <laughs> we got to do it outside. We'll figure it out. But uh, for this, yeah. for the sake of this but, segment right here, Evan, Philadelphia yeah. at Saskatchewan. Who you got? This is not easy just because of that travel schedule. Well, take the wings then. And, and I, and take I think about it last take year. Take the rush, the rush last year had this travel from Colorado via Phoenix to get back to Saskatoon for a game against the, the Stealth back then. And they won the game, but they were nowhere near uh, rested on that one. I'm going to take Saskatchewan, but this isn't an easy one to pick. No, it's not. It's not as easy as it should be, but I just, uh, Saskatchewan at home against Philadelphia is just hasn't been able to figure it out all year long, and uh, I'm not picking against the rush, so we both take the rush against the Seals, we both take the rush against the Wings, which leaves... Maybe the most tricky game of the weekend and a tough weekend for Philadelphia, but almost a smart weekend for Philly as well. Instead of making two trips to the West Coast, they stop off in Saskatchewan before heading to Vancouver for a Saturday night game. 
Wings at the Sunday Warriors. Night. Sunday night, excuse me. Sunday night game. Um, yes, how about that? Um, Battle of the W's here at Evan Scheminauer. Wings at the Warriors. Who you got? Not an easy one, but Philly's playing the night before. They're going to have a little less energy. I'm going to take the Warriors as a result. I'm going to take the Warriors, too. I was hoping you were going to pick the wings there, but you didn't. All right, recapping quickly. You have Toronto. I have New England. You have Colorado. I have Rochester. You took Calgary. I have Georgia. And then we both took Saskatchewan to beat San Diego. We both took Saskatchewan to beat Philadelphia. And we both took Vancouver to beat Philadelphia. So, three different picks, three same picks. The lead will be cut in half after week 18 action. Mark <laughs> my words. Over. <laughs> Mark my words right here on Lacrosse Classified. Uh, so that was Stampede Tax, who you got. Uh, what else? Some news coming out today, or not today, but a couple of days ago that Philadelphia let it slip to their season ticket holders about a potential realignment with the two new expansion teams coming into the National Lacrosse League. They're going to switch to three divisions. You want to explain this to the fans here, Evan? Yeah, so the the point of it is now with eight teams out east, only five in the west, they had to try and realign it somehow. And the concept is they're going to divide the eight teams in the east into four divisions. And the division that they've made makes perfect sense because you've got the close triangle of Toronto, Buffalo, Rochester, all in the same division. And you add Halifax into that mix to have a Canadian battle going on there. Whereas New York, New England, Philly, and Georgia will form a second division. How the playoffs are going to work? Well, we've had some debate on it. And, you know, there's a few options, whether it's three division winners and five wild cards or top two in each division and two wild cards making those eight spots. I think that'll we'll be, figure that out I think time. that'll be but. the, the, the scenario at the end of the day will be top two in each division. And then two wild card teams, I think will will kind of make up uh, the eight teams for the playoffs. We shouldn't also note the league came out with a, an issued statement saying nothing is for sure. Nothing has been voted on by the board of governors. Um, and they'll have an official statement probably a little later on in the summer about this once it does get voted on. But uh, by all accounts, this looks like the way that they are going to go and uh, just kind of happen to slip out. And you know what us media folk like to do when things slip out? We like to run with it. So uh, the league issued a statement saying nothing is for sure yet, but we're pretty confident that this will be uh, how it will be with uh, the West staying the West to... Um, divisions over in the East getting split up to four teams each. I know your brother came up with the playoff scenarios going into Week 18. You want to break that down quickly? Yeah, so basic math here. Um, so George has already clinched a first-round home game. That won't change this weekend, whether they get first or second. Buffalo gets a first-round home game with a Toronto loss this week. Toronto gets, at minimum, the third-place seed in the East with a win or a New England loss. If New England loses, they're locked into fourth place. And as Andrew Suter was talking before, they want to try and leapfrog, but it's going to be difficult. Um, If Philly loses both games this weekend, um, they actually uh, could finish last in the league. uh, And unfortunately, they don't even have that draft pick. That would be number three. San Diego... 
clinches a first-round home game with the win. They won't get the West title, but they get a home game with a win. Um, and they clinch first in the West if Saskatchewan loses both. So that's something that's there. Uh, Saskatchewan can get a first-round home game if they win both and Calgary loses. So that's a possibility. Colorado, of course, needs a win or Vancouver loss, either or, to get into the playoffs. Um, and that's that's the picture at this stage. There's still a lot to be decided about the seeding, but not so much with who's in the playoffs. Yeah, so teams are who are going to be in the playoffs are pretty much set, except for the Colorado Mammoth, who are just uh, magic number one for them. But then it comes a little bit murky on who's going to host and where uh, those games will be. Uh, in that opening round, and lots to be decided here coming down the stretch in the final few weeks, which is great because you don't want things decided with weeks to play because that that's not fun for anybody. Um, expansion article. I know uh, you always get a lot of feedback on this, Evan, and you spend a lot of time putting it together. What are the fans saying out there about it? Yeah, you know, a lot of people, of course, just head spinning because there's so many factors involved. And who's available, who isn't available? Are they a free agent? Are they a non-franchisable free agent? Um, you know, there's a lot of factors to consider. And to be frankly honest, some of it's guest, guesswork because who the, the last couple protected and who the first couple exposed are, are out there. But the ones in Buffalo, a lot of fan feedback as to whether it's going to be Thomas Hogarth or Corey Small as the last four protected, but also a lot of talk about whether Chase Frazier gets uh, uh, protected or not. If he doesn't, he probably goes. But also in Philadelphia, this is the interesting one, probably the most interesting of the lot, and that is, is Kyle Matisse a forward or a defender? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, actually, yeah. And he's played a lot of defense transition this year. So is Philly going to tr- – they are probably going to try to – claim him as a D so they can protect uh, Blaze Reardon up front. And that takes my projection out the window because uh, Blaze would have been the first guy picked um, had he been exposed. Yeah, and, and I, like, I'll give I'll give Coach Day some credit here trying to finagle this uh, situation with Matisse. Running him out the back gate for a handful of games and, and listing him as a, as a transition guy because I think he's going to get away with it, and it's pretty – Pretty clever, pretty crafty for him to think to do something like that to, in order to protect an extra player. I do disagree with a number of your uh, protect projections of your protected players. I don't want to quite get into that right now. As we get in uh, a little closer to the summer, I think we should both maybe come up with our expansion draft well, lists and uh, which see is who, the one you disagree with the most. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it right now, mm-hmm. Evan. But I, what I'm saying is, when we get a little closer to the expansion draft, I think we both maybe come up with our expansion lists and and put something on the line. Who gets more players right that actually get selected in the expansion draft? So uh, ponder that. For a little while, we got some time before uh, we have to worry about that. Speaking of having to worry, we got to worry about getting out of here because we're way past our time again here on Lacrosse Classified. But when you got that much good information, sometimes you run a little long. That's just the way it goes. Uh, big thanks to. 
two, Andrew Suter and Reese Dutch for stopping by the show. Always uh, good to catch up with Suits and, and Dutchy. Uh, a special thanks to our fabulous sponsors once again, Pure Vital Labs, Associated Labels and Packaging, Extreme Threads, and Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Spotify now, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all your podcast outlets you can find lacrosse classified on don't forget to follow us on social media as well at shem lax i am at pxp for sports the show is at lax class finally uh, the biggest thanks always goes out to you the loyal listener for checking out extreme threads lacrosse classified every single tuesday right here on the lacrosse all-stars podcast network but now we gotta go for evan sheminar i've been jake elliott for the fastest game on two feet and for the creator enjoy the games everybody <laughs>